With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hello and welcome to the Elm Park Rolls preview show for Bristol City away. Well, it's been a pretty, what can I say about it? A downbeat few days being a Redden fan since the Millwall game. But we should look at the table and to help me talk through the game that's coming up in Bristol City and having a look back at the Saturday's action, I've been joined by Berkshire Live's Jonathan Lowe. Hi, Jonathan. How you doing? Hello. Good afternoon. All good. Thank you. Yeah. So that must have been, I mean, don't think many Redden fans were expecting that result on Saturday at all. I definitely wasn't. And the performance level was a real drop off. Why do you think that happened? Um, I think, you know, the, there was a lot of effort and application, obviously, of the game on Wednesday night against Brentford, which ended in a 3-1 defeat and possibly kind of uh, a bit of um, a kind of fallout from that as well. Um, yes, I mean, the performance levels were were a far cry from that Brentford game, also probably the, the Bournemouth game as well, um, albeit that was, you know, certainly the best performance of the season. Um, and I think it's just a, a combination of... Um, you know, f- fatigue, uh, the accumulation of games. It's, it's, it's a busy run of games now. Injuries are now taking their toll uh, as well again, unfortunately. And, um, yeah, just, I mean, you've got to give Millwall a bit of credit as well that they they you know, stuck to their game plan. They changed things up at halftime and um, it proved to be effective and um, they took their chances when they when they got them. So I don't think it was a disastrous performance from Reading on Saturday. Far from it, they, they still created some good chances and Still maintain if, if uh, Lucas Schauer had converted that uh, chance at the end of the first half when uh, Michael Lee said put him through, it would have been 2 0 and, and probably game over. But, uh, you know, like in uh, in any league and in in, uh, in any standard of play, uh, one goal is never enough, really. And as soon as Mill got the equaliser, you, you kind of felt that they, they may well go on and, and get that winner, which is what they did. And Reading never really looked like coming back into it. So, Disappointing display, disappointing result, but hopefully they can uh, put things right pretty quickly. Yeah, no, I agree with Lucas Joe opportunity. That was a huge moment, wasn't it? And Panovic talked about it after the match, saying that not just on that one occasion, that we've got to take our chances. You know, our chance conversion has to be much higher at the moment because we had those opportunities against Bournemouth as well. And we are also affected too much when we concede a goal. It seems to really still have that long-term impact that we've seen in previous seasons that we go into, I wouldn't say panic mode with this team, but it does set us back slightly more than I think it should considering our league position. Yeah, it has. I mean, it has, like, like you know, we've seen in previous seasons, um, uh, at least one goal, if, if not a couple of goals, um, are, are a result of um, sort of that mental fragility. And um we thought certainly over the first half of the season they'd gone a long way to, re- to rectifying that. Um, I guess you look at the back line on on Saturday. You've got a very young back line apart from Michael Morrison and uh, you know Raphael. You know he's had a season and a half now, but he's still you know, relatively new to, to English football. Um, whether that plays a part to it, I'm not sure. I think you know possibly Liam Moore would have would have kind of 
got some of the younger players together a bit more on on Saturday and you know bashed their heads together metaphorically speaking and um you know really tried to make them um be a bit more resolute certainly after conceding that first goal so um yes as I say it's a it's a shame and a big disappointment and you know that those it, it's it's hard to see where the goals are coming from apart from Lucas Shaw over Jaya doesn't look like he's going to score many um Michael Elise as well he's slightly dried up in the last sort of seven eight nine games um obviously John Swift being out injured yeah Mate being out injured as well uh Andy Rinomoto played that kind of attacking midfield role number 10 but he's not going to get too many goals so um yeah, it's not looking brilliant, is it? But uh, I think you know, if you keep the faith and and you know they they've got this far, um, uh, or, you know, with the same squad, with the same team, with the same players. So um, yeah, hopefully Chow can put his shooting boots on tomorrow night, and uh, we can be talking about a victory. Yeah, kind yeah, of like, kind of like summed up when we look back with hindsight that Samedo scores that ridiculous goal. I mean, some people have said he didn't mean it. I'm certain he meant that, John. I mean, he definitely is trying to score there. I think he did, yeah. I, I, see, I don't, I don't, I don't remember specifically, but I think um, when so when the ball was played out by the goalkeeper, it probably would have been Quinton Fortune because Quinton Fortune is the new George Mendonca on the sidelines. He is absolutely kicking and breathing and heading every single ball. And the encouragement he gives the players, I mean, it's great to see. You know, it shows his, his passion and everything. I reckon him or Panovic might have said just kind of go for goal, and obviously he's just swung a leg, leg at it, and um, still he's, he's kind of gone in. I, I've flicked it back a couple of times, and I'm thinking maybe the keeper. I know he was out of position, he didn't dive for it. Uh, he kind of just watched it, sort of. It kind of trickled past him, um, and uh, you know it's yes, it's a great goal. It's great vision, great imagination. It's perhaps a tad lucky. I don't know, but. Um, you know, it's the old adage, if you don't shoot, don't score. And uh, that's exactly what he did. And, and thankfully it worked out. Yeah, what also summed up the day was the news about John Swift, as you mentioned earlier, and his injury now being kind of looking at six weeks out. I mean, that is a huge blow for us, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, Panovich said at least six weeks. And to me, it, it sounds like, you know, it's pretty much not quite season ending, but he's only going to be back for last three or four games um uh, most likely so i mean it's, it's pretty much him over which is a real shame because you know he's, he's been great this this season when we have seen him uh certainly early on in those first couple of games and then when he did come back on boxing day um he's been absolutely fantastic and, and really kind of knits everything together in that sort of uh, central midfield role so um yeah big shame for him big shame for the club um and um you know it's it's uh, it's another Attacking outlet taken out of the side and then another goal scoring threat taken out of the side, another, um, you know, set piece threat taken out as well. Um, and for all, uh, you know, Michael B- Michael Lise's talent at, at, at set pieces, he hasn't, I mean, at corners, he's very good, but at free kicks, he's, he's still got a lot of uh, learning to do. And um, I guess hopefully with Swift, with his bit more time on his hands, we'll be coaching Elise to. To get to get free kicks up and over the wall and on target, which is what he hasn't really done too much of the season. No, he hasn't. But moving on to the game against Bristol City, which is going to be a huge game for us. We need to get some points here. Bristol City have only got one win in their last six. They can't really score goals. They're completely injury plagued. We talk about it with a fan who I spoke to who's going to be coming up in a moment. But 
I don't know. I mean, this has to be a must win for us just to get a little bit of momentum. We haven't fallen completely off the track, but if we don't win, it's kind of like starts a little bit of a worrying trend, wouldn't it? Yeah, it does slightly. I mean, I guess, yeah, a defeat would would be three in a row, wouldn't it? And you, and they don't really want to get into that, uh, that losing run, especially around this time of the season. Um, obviously, Bristol City losing 6-0 against Watford on, on Saturday should mean they're, they're pretty down um, about things right now. I wouldn't quite say it's a must-win. I think just the fact they've got Middlesbrough at home on Saturday, that, that will be a, a tough game, but I can see, you know, Reading getting something out of it if, if they um, you know, get, get back to form and you know, wick them away next week will, will obviously won't be easy, but uh, I think that's a winnable game as well. So, um, no, I wouldn't say it's a must-win. It's probably must-not-lose, probably more to the point, but um, I, I do fancy them to get back to winning ways. I think they will have, have enough to beat Bristol. Um, they haven't got the best of records, I don't think, at Ashton Gate, but I remember when they won under Yatstan, they came from 2-0 down, I think, to win 3-2. So hopefully they can harbour some of that, uh, that spirit. Bit of Yanko yeah. again at the last minute. That's what we need, yeah. isn't it? Just wheel him out for this game. Just get him back in. I mean, <laughs> yeah. What no limbs at the end, though, this time, John. No limbs at all. <laughs> it's kind of nothing. No, unfortunately, no. Might be limbs in the press box instead. <laughs> yeah. So what is your score prediction then, John, for that game? Um, I think I think it'll be a two-one away win for Reading. Yeah, that's what I'm going to go for as well. I'm saying two-one, and I'm going to say that Yakumate will play at some point, hopefully, and come on and play a part. Do you think that's a little bit optimistic, or do you think it could happen? I, I think there's a very outside chance of it happening because it because um, it could Hanwich happen. Says, <laughs> says you know it's he's going to be assessed on a weekly basis. So either he's going to absolutely throw him in at some point and surprise everyone, or it's just a lengthy injury which they haven't mm. kind of worked out yet. So, um, I mean, he was he was he was walking around on the touchline on um, on Saturday before the game, as a few of the other players were. George Puskas was there and Liam Moore was there. So, you know, I don't know what that says about him, but uh, obviously, you know, it's a, it's a groin problem, mm. some sort of groin strain, I think. Um, obviously, they, they, they want to him back too soon but uh, you know i think you know when he does come back it might be a bit of a surprise yeah let's hope so at some point we'll see puskas back in the team so i think lucas jow needs some rotation at some point he just he's looking fine for the first hour maybe and then he's drifting off isn't he i don't think it's his attitude with this situation he just he just played too many games in a short period of time but yeah. let's hope on uh, tuesday tomorrow night he get bangs a hat trick and that will solve the issue straight away, won't it, for his uh, fitness issues. So, thank you for yeah, let's hope so. Thanks for yeah. joining us, John. And um, uh, you'll be back next week for the preview show. Cheers. Yeah. And now it's time for the opposition for you from Stanley Hughes from OneStream in Bristol. How are you doing, Stan? Terrible. <laughs> yeah, I can get that. Absolutely, 100%. Yeah, uh, we've lost two consecutive matches. But you've taken it to another level, haven't you? One win in your last six matches and a 6-0 defeat at Watford. Yeah, I feel your pain. And I know that could happen to us at some point. Yeah, it's not ideal, is it? It's quite a, it's quite a rare thing, actually, a 6-0 defeat. Even when it was getting very poor under Lee Johnson, the football was pretty turgid. We never got done over in this sort of manner. I think it's our worst defeat for 10 years. 
Um, probably had to go back to Steve Cottrell the last time we lost sort of 4-0 maybe, but this is a real rarity. And so for Bristol City fans, there's a lot of head scratching. I'm sure there'll be an inquisition in amongst the playing staff as well. Yeah, there must be real kind of split now on your manager, Dean Holden, because at the moment it's only going in one direction. You're sat 13th in the league. You're still only seven points off the playoff, so it could go either way. But what's the kind of like feeling amongst Bristol City fans right now? Um, I imagine for a lot of Bristol City fans, it would be, I told you so, because when he was appointed Dean Holden, there was a lot of surprise. There was a lot of uproar from, I'd say, the majority of the fan base, to be honest, um, especially when uh, Mark Ashton, who's our chief operating officer, spoke at length about the number of interesting and qualified candidates that have applied, that had applied for the role and that they'd come from all over the world and various backgrounds and levels of experience. And um, when Dean Holden was then given the role, there was a, a lot of surprise because I thought, well, if there were all these people who had applied for it, how come the assistant who's been here all along has got it? Um, I think he won a, quite a few fans over with his straight talking and the way he conducts himself in, in press conferences. He's clearly more eager to give young players a chance than Lee Johnson. But since the sort of fifth, sixth game, uh, at that point, we were doing quite well near, near the top. Since then, we've been woeful. Our form has been embarrassing. The football has been embarrassing just not entertaining to watch. If we were losing and playing okay or playing attacking style of football, it would be all right. But at the moment, I'm, I imagine maybe the majority, if not a huge proportion of the fan base, would like Dean Holden sacked at the moment. Yeah, just looking at your form since you played us, in those 15 games, you'd be third bottom of the league with 15 points. I mean, that kind of backs up everything that you're saying that's in front of you. Do you think there's any way out of this situation with your team and the injuries that you've got at the moment. I mean, you've got one player in your team that we hate playing against, Naki Wells. I can guarantee that he will score against it. He absolutely loves scoring against us. But he's kind of like split opinion on Bristol City fans again, hasn't he? He hasn't really fulfilled a transfer fee that you've paid for him. No, I mean, Bristol City have always had decent goal scorers over the years. Um, but when Naki Wells was signed, it was something that we were crying out for. We've got Jeju, the big man up front. He's not really a big man. He just is a, happens to be a big person. He's not a target man. So when Naki Wells was signed, there was a lot of excitement. People were thinking, here we go. This is what we've asked for. This is what fans have said for years. You know, we need a proven goal scorer at this level. Um, fast forward, what is it now? A year. Um, he's been played at left wing. He's been played behind the striker. He's been played up top. And it just hasn't worked for him. Um, I mean, away from Naki Wells, the player, everyone hates Naki Wells, the person. He's been posting um, anti-vax nonsense. So it's very hard to like him off the pitch. On the pitch, it's not easy to like him because he's not been playing particularly well. Um, but he, I, I don't think we've played to his strengths. I'll give him that. You know, he's been played. He's been isolated. He's been playing in teams with slow players. I'd love. I don't. We're not sure if Awura Edwards is going to be back for this game on Tuesday, but I'd love to see Awura Edwards and Semenya either side of Wells. You know, in a sort of a four-three-three. Just give him pace around him. Give runners off him, and then maybe we might see the Naki Wells that we saw against QPR and that you guys are scared of. Yeah, yeah, totally. We are scared of him. There's no doubt on that, Stan. <laughs> we are. Uh, you brought up a player there that you were very excited about the last time that we spoke in Semenya. How's he been doing this season? He started, it's weird, he's sort of coming to three parts, really. The first part was Semenya sort of just getting a little feel for being in the team. He scored a couple of goals in the Carabao Cup games, which slowly eased in into the first team, and then was playing really well in the league, got loads of assists. He's still our top assister. But again, in, in recent weeks, he's gone off the boil, and like the majority of the Bristol City team, has been playing very, very poorly. We, I think we're not, we're not scoring goals. He doesn't really score goals. He's an assist maker. 
and he just hoped that he, since he's, he scored one goal against Mill in the FA Cup recently, he wanted, you're just waiting for him to, to hit a purple patch. You're waiting for him to hit a vein of form. And at the moment, he's not doing it. But um, with, with the lack of pace in our team at the moment, he has to start for me. Even if he's off form, you have to start and hope that his sort of trickery and his ingenuity sometimes on the ball will create something out of nowhere and, and lead to a goal. Oh, well, hopefully he doesn't hit that form against us. <laughs> That's all I can say. That's what I'm hoping for. You're kind of like looking at the injuries that you've had. A big one is obviously Alfie Mawson, isn't it? That is a huge one for you, being out for a long time now. Yeah, frustrating. Um, when he joined, there was a lot of excitement. Obviously, this is someone who was close to going to the to the international tournament with England way back when. Someone who's played in the Prem, cost big money. And for the run of games up until his first injury, it just looked effortless. You know, it was like a sixth former playing with year 10s in the, on the school playground, just jog, jogging as fast as everyone else was sprinting, winning every header, controlling the back three. He then got injured, um, tore his medial ligament in his right knee, was out for a little bit, came back. Same thing again, was doing quite well, was finding his feet a little bit, regaining fitness. But when he was playing well, it was effortless. And him and Thomas Callas are a decent pairing that I think most Bristol City fans would be happy with if we ever did get promoted. Um, but then he's done it again. He's torn his other medial ligament against Sheffield United. There's a bit of a conspiracy theory circling amongst Bristol City fans because apparently he did it in the game, but we've all watched the game back and no one can find the moment at which he got injured unless... It was at the moment when VAR awarded a penalty against him and sent him off, which if he also tore his medial ligament at the same time, makes a pretty impressive hat-trick. Yeah, that is. That is a full house, isn't it, basically? What are your transfer policies at the end of last season? Well, the beginning of the season, the summer, was to sign more experienced players, it appeared to be, which obviously brings us issues because you can't sell them on. You've got in Chris Martin and you've got in... Chris Brunt. Now, how are those two players doing? Because I can see how they'd split opinion and Chris Brunt doesn't appear to have really hit the ground running at all. Yeah, Chris Brunt, an embarrassing signing. Absolutely embarrassing episode in this club, to be honest. For a club that's meant to be all about finding value in the market, that was just a woeful, woeful bit of transfer making, especially when we have far too many midfielders already. You've got Masengo, you've got Naj, you've got Walsh who was injured and coming back, Williams who was injured and coming back. We've got Joe Morrell. He's been at the club since he was eight. He was our longest serving player. He only played one league game before being sold to Luton. So essentially, he got moved out for Chris Brunt, who played a couple of games, tore his hamstring, like everyone else has in the squad, and has disappeared and ripped up his contract. Chris Martin, um, to be honest, he started the, the season really well. I mean, City fans have always had a soft spot for Famaro Jeju. But suddenly, when a real target man comes in and shows us what sort of simple interlinking is meant to look like, the fans really liked him and he was doing well. But again, he's injured out for, for three months. So, yeah, the transfer policy at the moment is probably the biggest source of criticism from Bristol City fans at the moment. For a club that's meant to be doing things the way Brentford do or the way Norwich or Barnsley do, and you know, buy young players, build them up and sell them on. We're not sure where the next players are going to come from if they're not from the academy. What do you think are the realistic aims now for Bristol City for the rest of the season? Do you think a playoff push is in any way possible? There's a lot of games left, so you never know in the Championship, do you? Exactly. You never know. And we've done it. We've seen it before under Lee Johnson. We never made the playoffs, but we always, there were a couple of seasons where we ended it fantastically. And, you know, we're probably 13th or in a similar position to the one we are now and suddenly got really close to the playoffs. Um, to be honest, I just want to see some good football. Dean Olden at the start of the season said, normally you need two goals a game to um, make promotion inevitable. Um, 
in this division. At the moment, we're averaging three shots on target a game. So that's the sort of attacking intent that we're seeing. Only Wickham have attempted fewer shots on target this season, and we've conceded the most shots in the division. So Bristol City fans are not witnessing anything that resembles entertaining football. So I'd like to see some entertaining football. I'd like to see some fast players on the pitch, some exciting forward movement, and hopefully that starts against Reading with some of the young, sprightly youngsters getting a chance for once. It sounds like you just want to see a long-term plan and you're not seeing any signs of it at the moment. No, it's odd because they talk about sustainability and, 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 and building things up and building slowly and doing... And getting to the and being pr- you know, prudent, maybe in, in getting to the Premier League. In terms of the academy, we're absolutely knocking it out of the park. We've just spent loads of money on a new academy. We've got loads of young players in the first team and out on loan, and they're doing well. You know, we've got Campering, it was at the top of League One with Portsmouth, who came back, got injured. Fine. George Nurse, another left back. Okay, Campering's injured. Let's bring him back. He's got injured. You know, there, there are lots of young players playing in the Football League that if they weren't ours, maybe we'd, we would be signing them. And so our academy's in a great position. We just need to stop signing these 30-something players that block that pathway. And it's it's close. It's all the pieces. They're not quite in the right position. Sounds like the busiest part of your ground is probably the physio department. <laughs> Sounds pretty intense. Well, yeah. I mean, recently, Ashton Gate um, actually turned one of its stands into the vaccination site for Bristol, one of the vaccination hubs. Um, but there's a rumour that they're actually going to have to shut that down now and use it as overflow for our injured players. <laughs> that's fair enough yeah I can see that so how do you think it's going to go in the game against us during the week I mean what sort what sort of form are you guys in how are you guys well, doing our last two matches we've lost against Brentford when we played really well uh, lost 3-1 it wasn't really a 3-1 game but against Millwall yesterday we were atrocious really for large parts of the game we took the lead and then Joe had a really great chance good save from the Millwall keeper Bukowski but not good form, really, really not good. And our manager wasn't happy on it. But overall, that's a blip. But you never know. We look tired, Stan. That's the problem. We haven't got any squad depth. And I fear that it's going to catch up with us. Lucas Jow has played all the games. We haven't got a backup striker. Our midfielder, Inamoto and Lauren, they're looking tired, quality. But I think there's an opportunity to get at us, unfortunately, at the moment. Hopefully that doesn't happen. But maybe I've given you a bit of hope there. Well, yeah, no, there's always hope. I mean, at the moment, Bristol City fans are probably at the stage where we're, we're starting to laugh or else we'll start crying. But um, I think we just want to see some intent. And, and and if you're a team that can be get at, then we need to see some pace on the pitch. Hopefully, Awura Edwards is back from his 10-day enforced isolation from COVID. And if you have him, Naki Wells and Semenya up top with midfielders who can pick a pass, then we might see us take advantage of the sort of space that we saw in the game at the Majeski, where Reading came out on top, but it was free-flowing end-to-end. So a bit more pace in our team in a similar sort of game, then we might see a few more chances, shots, and oh, who knows, maybe even a goal from our side. <laughs> well, last season you won it 1-0, didn't you? Some judging, that was a kind of like classic last game for uh, Reading manager, Jose Gomez. <laughs> that was a horrible game. <laughs> that was a horrible, horrible game. But yeah, so cheers. Thanks a lot for joining us, Dan. I really appreciate that. And we'll be back with the podcast straight after the match and hopefully talking about a win for Reading. Sorry, sorry, Sam. I really apologise there.